Hello and welcome to Stolen Droids Podcast, episode number 113. I'm Schmitty. I'm Stark. I'm Zoner. And I'm Zook, and we come to you now with the take three of the intro. <laughs> <laughs> We've had an awesome comedy of errors. We're back up to full strength. Uh, which is why we now are going on minute 50 of our pre-show. <laughs> it happens. Before things get derailed anymore, we want to give a shout-out to our friends over at trekradio.net, kryptonradio.com, stitcher.com, and openbookaudio.com. And we are once again brought to you this week by gotomeeting.com. You know, a lot of the people we work with the most aren't always the people we see every day. Coworkers are always on the go. They're in different offices. They're on different parts of the globe. They're pretty much everywhere. But to work efficiently, you need to have stronger connections with the team. you got to be able to see them. you got to stay focused. It helps with brainstorming. It helps with everything. And that's why we use GoToMeeting with HD faces. With GoToMeeting by Citrix, your team is just a click away. You can share the same screen to collaborate in real time and just turn your webcam to make your online meeting an HD video conference. Uh, we want you to be able to use it, try it out, see how it goes. Try GoToMeeting free for 30 days. For the special offer, visit GoToMeeting.com, click the Try It Free button, and use the promo code PODCAST. Remember, use the promo code PODCAST. GoToMeeting, meeting is believing. Uh, we do have... Well, we don't have feedback. We have... Um, what do we have? Uh, well... We have the worst iPad accessory ever, courtesy of our friend Ruff. It's the sausage stylus. Yay. Which Are you just sounds so pornographic. Are you sure you want to handle this? <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I've got a firm grip on things. I got it taken care of. I've just put it into the chat window so the guys can see it. It's a few down here. You know, I've got to say. If I saw a sausage like that, I wouldn't eat it. <laughs> I, that, that's not meant to be as loaded as it sounds. Schmitty's dying on the webcam right now. But it just... It looks like a huge crayon. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it does. Anyway, thanks, Ruff. That was good for <laughs> Thank you. Oh, I love this. Part of the description is, is uh, believe it or not, there is an edible meat stick sold in South Korea that can be used with touchscreen devices. <laughs> I believe it because most organic things can be used with touchscreen devices. If you so wanted, you could rub your breakfast meat all over your phone. That and we will never so speak wrong. of this again. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, all right. we need is Zook rubbing some sausage on his phone. You ever say something and as you're saying it, you know it's just not going how you intended? Every day at work. <laughs> Pretty much every time I open my mouth. Every podcast. That's why we have a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, into our headlines. We've got a few big ones. we got here, a lot but, of them. Uh, a lot of big ones. First up is an interesting little stat that Rim, or sorry, I, sorry, BlackBerry released, trying to say how good BlackBerry 10 is. Now, this is not necessarily to rag on them, but the fact of the matter is, is that since BlackBerry 7 was launched many years ago, and between then and now with BlackBerry 10, many people have had to migrate off. Either they had to for work reasons, or they just simply wanted to, right? They went to iPhone, they went to Android, some went to Windows Phone, and they lost a huge amount of market share. Well, according to recent polls, two-thirds of the people who left are kind of interested in coming back. Yeah. Now, BlackBerry released this poll as a sign saying, hey, look how good BlackBerry 10 is. Two-thirds of the people who left would consider coming back. Do you and see how many people are actually they were actually in this boat? I no, I, I don't know the actual number, but thirteen hundred and four. Yeah. So like all of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the entire Blackberry community. community. Most of Waterloo, Canada. <laughs> um and now, I, maybe I'm just maybe I'm just a, a glass empty kind of guy, but to me, this isn't saying that your OS is so good that people who left it are willing to come back. This is to me saying 
one-third of the people who were BlackBerry fans are in no way coming back, and two-thirds are only kind of considering it. Well, they're not even considering it. They're tempted. I mean, I get tempted to eat, I don't know, donuts or whatever, you know? It doesn't mean that... A sausage stylus? (laughs) Yes. Mmm, sausage stylus. Or styli, if you have multiple sausage with your breakfast. Sausage. Sausage. <laughs> Let's move on. Sausage. Anyway. <laughs> that sounds dirty, too. We're just going downhill. <laughs> and what's bad is we all have the video cameras on each other, so we see Zook doing little things with his hand in front of his face here. <laughs> Ruff, I blame you. This is all your fault. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe... Maybe these kind of studies are done all the time, but this does not sound as positive as I think BlackBerry was trying to spin it. Right. Because, sorry, go ahead. I I think it'd be interesting to find out where they made this poll. Was it was it a poll online, a random poll online, or was it did they go to some campus somewhere, or did they get these these thirteen hundred? Hold on, they use Blackberries on a campus. Yeah, the BlackBerry campus. Okay. I mean, 1,300 doesn't seem like a large enough sample to get a good enough data. Well, considering how many smartphone users there are out there, I, when I saw that number, I thought that was awfully small. Yeah. Now, the real flaming gun, I believe, is the fact that the, in the next one, or it had even a smaller sample size of only 1,200, the next question was, if you are a current BlackBerry user, is the new Q10 enough to keep you loyal? Twenty-four percent said no. no. <laughs> That's bad. I mean, say what you will about Apple, but Apple, the iPhone users are typically some of the happiest people you ever. You know, they they love their device. You can go on what you can say what you want about Kool Aid or Cult of Mac or whatever you want, but the fact is, is as a company, you want that level of consumer fanaticism. Yep. Right. You. It, People who are Galaxy owners love their Galaxies, right? Oh, they yeah. don't want to leave their Galaxies. I'm, I'm a Windows Phone user. I love my Windows Phone. That's what you want. You don't want to release numbers that say, yeah, 24 of the people who currently use us hate our new phone. They don't want to stay with us. <laughs> Thumbs up. Yeah, that's that's not um, very good. I, I think you're right. They, they are trying to spin it to make it look happy. But when you've got a third of your former customers that were polled, and granted, it's it's a pretty small sample size, but when you've got a third of them saying there's no way they're coming back, and when you've got a quarter of your current customers saying, no, we don't like this, all right, that's bad news. Bad news. Yeah. Not, not, not good at all. Um, into uh, some other really interesting news that kind of came out of the blue this week. Yahoo was rumored to, then confirmed to, then did buy Tumblr for $1.1 billion. What is... I'm talking about in the course of like 18 hours. Right. It went from rumored to, oh yeah, it's done. Okay, so I have never used Tumblr. What is it? Uh, well, now that you've chased those kids off your yard... <laughs> um, yeah! think, think of it like a photo blogging, camera rolling... Oh, was it like it's Pinterest? Whatever. It's like the mid. No, it's it's like the midway between Twitter and an actual blog. It's microblogging without the the Twitterness of it. I don't, I don't know how, to, how else to describe it. So yeah, it's it's, it's between Twitter and, and an actual WordPress site or something. It, it's pretty pointless it, in all honesty. But no, it's popular. It, it gives a home to all those animated gifs. <laughs> gifs. I said it right. <laughs> And, and a lot of porn sites actually hide themselves in Tumblr. Ah. But, so... I did not <laughs> know that! Suddenly <laughs> Zoners opening up a Tumblr account. <laughs> Look, okay, there is an XKCD comic a while back, and it's very true. You take anything and add .tumblr.com to the end of it, and it exists. Zoop, it just springs into existence. I'll bet you it's there. <laughs> but, so, they... Uh, seriously, over the course of like 18 hours, they went from rumored to confirmed we bought it. And by the way, we're having a press conference later tonight. And everyone's like, oh, well, this must be talking about what they're going to do with Tumblr, right? 
No, the press conference had nothing to do with it. They relaunched Flickr, which everyone forgot they had killed a couple years before. Um, now, the new Flickr is huge. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. And if you sign up for it, you get a free terabyte of online storage, which is quite cool. But what is Yahoo playing at? Anyone have any ideas here? Well, I mean, I know to buy up one photo service and kill it. Well, maybe not kill it. We don't know. But buy it up right on the eve of relaunching another one? I, I know that um, the Yahoo CEO came out and said, oh, yeah, well, Tumblr is going to remain its own entity. We're not really going to mess with it. We just bought it because we have extra money in the couch cushions or something. I don't know. But... Um, she, I don't think Yahoo has couches anymore. <laughs> probably not. If they do, they're all purple. But, but you get my point. But um, so, so maybe they are truly going to keep them separate, or maybe they're going to start to integrate them. Perhaps. I don't know. It's been a while since Yahoo had a decent blogging platform. Do you wonder if maybe they bought up Tumblr just to kind of shelve it to give Flickr better traction? Maybe they're going to turn it into GeoCities. Well, no, I, uh, I mean, Flick, uh, Tumblr isn't only a photo sharing um, social media. It's it you can share their photos on it, but it's very far and distant from what Flickr does. So I, I don't see the parallel that you're drawing there. Hmm. I, I don't know. I think it's just kind of confusing. Uh, time will tell. I don't know what Yahoo's playing at here. I don't know if they're just trying to axe the competition. I, before they had their their press announcement, before they relaunched Flickr, I was toying around with the hypothesis that maybe they were buying up all these other companies like Flickr, like Tumblr, to axe them silently and try and prevent another dot-com burst. Remember back in, uh, in like 2000, actually, the dot-com bubble that had just been growing and growing through the 90s, it burst. And it uh, all these internet companies that had all this worth, all of a sudden were worth nothing. Yahoo was one of the few that actually was able to survive it, though it was hit pretty hard, too. And they keep saying that we are on the cusp of another dot-com bubble burst. And so I was toying around with the idea that, well, maybe they are trying to artificially prolong it by axing all these other companies, thinning the herd, as it were. But then they went and launched Flickr and completely shot down my idea, so I don't know. <laughs> hmm. That's an interesting Just saying. thought, yeah. It, 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 the it does, borderline conspiracy theorist in me. It, it does make sense that uh, we might be coming upon another dot-com burst because um, you, you look at all the new um, startups that are going on, most of them are online services mm -hmm. so yeah we we shall see um, well you know you've got you've got uh, services like Instagram that got bought for an absurd amount of money you've got words with friends that got bought for an absurd amount of money I can totally see some sort of a, a bubble being formed here and and yeah I think I think you may be right Zook I think we're going to see something burst and maybe they are trying to just prolong now I don't know if you can even manipulate a market like that uh, th again this is just in my borderline conspiracy theory here uh, someone I'm sure will tell us and let me know if that's even possible but uh, again then they went and announced the relaunch of Flickr so it's all kind of pointless anyway um, AT&T has decided to finally cave into popular demand you know three years later uh, originally, when the iPhone launched FaceTime and allowed you to do face-to-face -face video chat from their iPhone services, it only worked over Wi-Fi. They blocked it over their cellular connection because, quote-unquote, 3G wasn't fast enough, even though all jailbroken iPhones could still do it. They have finally decided to say that, yes, we will now start letting you do video services over cellular so long as you pay us. Once again, proving why AT&T is one of the most hated cellular providers ever. What I think is funny is when I clicked on the link for this article, to the right was an AT&T ad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, a, that's good targeting advertising right there. Uh, into other money news, though on a different vein, 
this is one of our big headlines, and I'm afraid it's been changing so much in the last few days that uh, I uh, what I knew is now out of date. But Apple is now before Congress. Congress is claiming that Apple has been sheltering billions of dollars in taxable funds uh, from from the IRS. Who's surprised by this? Who? I mean, not just Apple, but any big business. I'm, I'm not. I'm not anti-big business, but if they can get away with it, they're they're going to try to do it, and then they're only going to feel sorry when they get caught. I don't think it's so much they they thought they could get away with it. I think you're partially right. Everyone does it, but it's kind of like saying, well, you know, everyone steals a penny here or there from the take a penny, give a penny tray. So I went and stole $4,000. You know, it's like, well, everyone does it to a certain degree. That doesn't mean you can do it billions and billions and billions of dollars. What they, the last I heard, and again, this story has changed since when I first read it, but they were saying that all the different subsidies and all the different shell companies that Apple owns that it uses to help along its uh, production run, its uh, supply chain, were also tax havens. That they were investing all this money into separate companies that were then, quote-unquote, taking a loss so they didn't have to pay taxes. Meanwhile, Apple was still reaping the benefits of that investment and not having to pay the tax as a result. We had talked about this a long time ago, uh, but we never touched on the tax thing. We were always talked about how Apple owns its entire supply chain and why that's so good for it because it makes it much faster and cheaper to get things out. I don't think any of us ever even considered the tax equation, uh, tax part of this equation. We never did, no. And, and why would we, you know? Well, for one, we usually tend to get some of the information wrong, so we tend to stick with the tech side, what we're more familiar with. Taxes was a state in the union. It had the Alamo. <laughs> well, you know, I think that this is just another good argument for a um, flat tax, abolish the IRS. All I know is you don't mess with the IRS. I don't care if you're Apple or Microsoft or Google, you don't do it. The Joker doesn't mess with the IRS. You can look it up. There's an entire episode of the Batman animated series about it. Al Capone couldn't be brought in by the FBI, but you know who got him? The IRS. Yet yep. these groups try anyway. I mean, this is how they have those tax havens in the in the in the offshore islands and and all those banks in Switzerland. And I'm pretty sure somebody with a lot more knowledge about it could probably even tell us a few things about th- some of this stuff that we don't even know. Rough, if you know, don't answer. It's a trap. <laughs> <laughs> it's a trap. We like you too much. <laughs> um. Yeah. So this is. It's going to be interesting to see where this goes. Because by the time you guys even hear this, it may even be different. Well, yeah, and like I said, it's changed so much since I originally heard it anyway, and that was Monday, and here we are now Thursday recording this. All I know is that Apple has had this huge war chest of money, and as a result has become one of the most profitable U.S. companies, which is good for the U.S. economy. Except they're not pumping it back into the U.S. economy, which what a lot of which is what a lot of these corporations are doing. They're not, and so sorry. Go ahead. I say they're not pumping it back into the economy, which could be the reason why Congress is going after them in the first place. It could be a witch hunt, and Congress is just trying to get that money back into the U.S. economy. It could be all completely legitimate, and we still need that money back in the economy, but. All I know is that Apple has made itself a really ripe target by just sitting on all that money and not investing it back into the industry. Tisk 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 for saving up your own retirement fund, Apple. Hey, everybody's um, got to retire at some point. Mm. When's the iPhone getting retired? Never. Huh, honor. Never. Although it should. Uh, into other. Yes. Into other huge news, and this is big. This week saw the launch of the Xbox One. The announcement this? of the Xbox One. Of the launch. Yeah, <laughs> the official announcement of the Xbox One. Now, I'm going to cover some quick little stats here. It has an 8-core AMD CPU, same one from the PS4. It has 8 gigs of GDDR3 memory, 
Uh, same as the PS4, except for the PS4 has GDDR5, slightly faster, but same amount. It has a 500 gig hard drive, has a USB 3, has an HDMI in port, HDMI out port. It has a Blu-ray drive. It has a gigabit Ethernet port. And those USB 3 ports on the back can take external hard drives. Where's the start button? Uh, well, it has a start screen. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Does it have a red ring? <laughs> no. Now, here, some people don't like the design. I couldn't care less. Um, they were really going for an industrial look. And if you look at it, you can immediately see it's not going to overheat like the original Xbox 360 did. Now, here are the problems as I see it and as the industry is freaking out about it. It does not require an always-on connection like people said. However, um, it may not work without an internet connection either. <laughs> Here's the reason behind this. Um, a lot of the things that people have been worried about were upgradability. Well, the idea here is that they've made it so developers can make a game where you put the disc in, it installs to the hard drive, which is a requirement now, it registers that game with Xbox Live, and it can actually offload a lot of the, gra the uh, graphics and computational processing to their cloud servers and stream the experience back to you. Ooh. So even as games become more and more complex, you don't have to go out and buy a new console because it's the servers handling the load. Now, before you think this doesn't work, Schmitty, you're a huge fan of streaming games. Yeah, and we know, that, yeah, we know they work. But if a game is relying on that, then yeah, you kind of need an always-on connection. Right. So is this is also? Oh, is ahead. is that feature going to kill the secondary game market? Well, now they say that yes, it won't be able to use used games. However, and they were very vague about this. I'm sure we'll hear more about this. But they said that you can go onto Xbox Live and package your game for resale. I don't know if this means that you say, I'm no longer going to play this game. It rebundles up its identifier code, gives you a code to put with it. You sell the game to someone else. Say I sell it to Schmitty. He installs it. He types in the identifier code I gave him, and then Xbox registers that game with him. I wonder if Xbox will then get a my cut. Account. Well, I doubt it would get a cut, but it is really effective DRM. It's just a pain in the butt for us. That's kind of the impression that I got. It, um, someone was mentioning lending games out um, and that would not be a possibility with the way they do that. Uh, but if, if Zook were to come over to my house and bring his game, he could log in um, with his account and use it just just like uh, you would with, with a downloaded game. But uh, the DRM is a little more sturdy than, than any other DRMs i.e. EA. <laughs> so if if you can't lend games out, does that mean you can't rent games as well? That's a good question, and they didn't answer. We don't know. We don't know how that's going to work. Interesting. Now, uh, some other quick little facts about it. The, the Connect 2.0 will come with it. It has two 1080p 60fps cameras on it that can basically see you in complete darkness. They are running so advanced that they can see movement of fingers, wrist position, hands, facial expressions. Uh, they can identify who it is that's speaking in the room. So if you're giving it commands and a little kid comes running into the room and says Xbox, it's not going to suddenly listen to them. It's still only listening to you. It can read your freaking heartbeat. But you still have to take your pants off. <laughs> <laughs> Now, that happened so long ago, I feel we kind of need to explain it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's an OD right there. A uh, long time ago, I tried out the new, uh, my new Connect. This is like when we first started the podcast. And I tried the Biggest Losers trial game uh, for weight loss. And it was such a pain in the butt, I couldn't move around very much. So I got in my underwear uh, because my pants were in the way. Meanwhile, the Kinect was showing down in the lower corner this kind of amorphous blob version of me, pantsless, trying to do workouts. It was horrific. <laughs> I, I've not really been a fan of Xbox Kinect since. <laughs> now, but here's the thing, and they were showing off a lot of commands. Xbox, do this. Xbox, TV, 
switch to my game, switch to this movie, switch to this, switch back to the game. And it was switching back in very fast time. It was doing really cool there. He was using hand commands to resize things, to snap live TV to one part of the screen and his fantasy football team to the other side of the screen. Or to be able to play an Xbox game in one window and watch live TV quietly up in the other corner. The way this works is actually the Xbox One is, believe it or not, running two virtual machines. One is the game console and one is running the apps. And so it can just switch between the two as needed, which is very ingenious. However, it also means that you have an always internet-connected camera that is permanently on, waiting for you to say Xbox on. Big Brother is watching you. (laughs) And he wants you to play more Halo. Yes, 1984, and we're welcoming it into our homes. With thunderous applause. Uh, they announced a new Forza game, meh. They announced a whole bunch of other new games, meh. They announced a new Halo TV series with Steven Spielberg involved. That looks good. That looks really good. Now, here is the rub, and it's a big one. It is not backwards compatible with any existing Xbox titles. Color me surprised. And this is where the Xbox 360's popularity and success comes back to bite it in the butt. The Xbox 360 has been out for eight years, longer than any console in history. Is it really that old? It's that old, which means there are kids playing it who th- that is the only console that has ever existed in their home. That means that you have an eight-year-old library of peripherals and games and game saves about to be thrown out. That is a big problem for a lot of people, myself included. Yeah, that is a big deal. Yeah. I'm just going to stack the Xbox One on top of my 360. No big deal. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, I actually still have my Xbox One when the, and my 360. That'll be another interesting point because they have the HDMI pass-through. I could theoretically put my HD, uh, the HDMI from my 360, pass it through the, uh, the Xbox One, and use the DVR functionality for the Xbox 360 games the same way I would with the Xbox One. So I, that that's something that I'm uh, excited to try out. So. Now, it should be noted that the PS4 is also, quote-unquote, not backwards compatible, but yet it is because what it's doing is it also uses cloud computing, but it's using cloud computing to play those older games. Yeah. So it's different how they did that. Now, this is going to cause a huge contention but, and here's the saving grace, here's the silver lining I want everyone to take away from this, is that this is not this was not E3. See, they showed the entire thing. They showed the Kinect in action. They showed the Xbox in action. They showed the, the controller. They showed it all. Sony has only shown hints and little sections of parts of the PS4. That's all they've shown. And we don't so have a cost yet now for this bu- Xbox One, do we? Well, well that's, that's my point. They're waiting. It, the ball is now in Sony's court. I bet you they did this on purpose because Sony's going to come out of E3, announce the PS4, and hey, you already know everything about the Xbox One. Don't you feel like fools now? Here's the PS4. Isn't it beautiful? And that's when I, I get the feeling the Xbox One has another shoe to drop. And it's going to be something that is supposed to completely undercut Sony at E3. Hmm. I, 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 guess, I bet you there's a bombshell ready to come. I guess we'll have to find out. All I know is I get the feeling that the Xbox One isn't intended for me. I think I have now grown past its demographic. Oh, I know I'll be getting one. I, I've well, I'll already, be getting one, too. I've already cleared it with the wife, and we've got it pre-ordered <laughs> in our mind. I'll be, <laughs> I, I'll be getting it, too, but I get the feeling, because it really does look like it's intended for one person watching it or playing it themselves or with one or two friends in front of their TV by themselves. In their mom's basement. Or in their dorm room <laughs> or in their frat house or wherever. <laughs> It does not. It's not a family console. I don't know. It seems to me that with the with the immediate profile switching, uh, it recognizes your face and it's able to switch profiles really quickly. It seems like it's more family friendly. Uh, one of the biggest problems we have with the Xbox 360 is I've got my profile on there. When my kids want to play 
they don't bother switching to their profile, so they're using mine. And it sometimes it's a problem. Most of the times it's not. But I see that being a one-up on the Xbox One is that instant switching, being able to, oh, my son's at the <laughs> Xbox now, his games are showing up now. So, my, my two cents. Per, perhaps. Uh, the control interface for it is what gives me pause, and we'll talk about that in our talking points. So... But it is possible that we're all just getting older and that we're not the ones they're marketing it for anymore. Well, The, the Wii and the Wii U are meant for five- and six-year-olds. The PS4 are meant... The PlayStation is being marketed towards executives with more money than cents, and, and the 360 and the One are now for bros. Well, we are old, so... I mean, it happens. Pretty soon you're not that coveted target demographic before you know it's CBS. <laughs> Yeah, CBS is going to be, like, marketing uh, Geritol and whatnot to us during Murder, She Wrote. <laughs> Matlock. <laughs> We're so old, we know how to play Metroid. Yes. Asteroids. <laughs> now, um, interestingly, during the Xbox uh, One announcement, a lot of people were watching it on their Xbox 360 over Xbox Live. I've now said the word Xbox more times in the last 15 minutes than I ever intended. The problem is, is that the Kinect, in its current iteration, is also listening for commands. Every time you say Xbox, <laughs> the Kinect menu opens up and waits for a command. And as you can imagine, at an Xbox launch, it was said a lot. Bing! <laughs> That's yep. just one thing that'll be fixed in the Kinect 2.0, but it caused problems for people now. Okay, um... Into HTC news, one of their bigwigs has left the company. Not just one, actually, quite a few. It's like a small exodus happening from the executive board. The HTC One, which I believe to be one of the most beautiful phones ever conceived, is not doing so well in sales. They're having supply chain issues. They're having just getting it out there issues. Samsung has just that huge brand behind the Galaxy. Everyone knows what a Galaxy is. Even if they don't know what a galaxy is, they know what a galaxy is. It's a phone thing, right? It's Android. <laughs> it's really cool. I see commercials for it. Um, well, you know, one of my coworkers actually got uh, HTC One earlier this week, and it's it's a nice phone. They did a really really good job on it, and so it's kind of surprising to me that sales aren't doing so hot. HTC is not great at marketing. No, they're not. They're, they're not, unfortunately. And that's where Samsung does better. Well, uh, the um, Eric Lin, who's the executive who, who left, uh, he decided to tweet out to everyone, to all my friends still at HTC, just quit. Leave now. It's tough to do, but you'll be so much happier, I swear. Is this a foreshadowing? Um, perhaps. All I know is that if I was uh, an investor... In HTC, if I own stock and I was on the committee, that's a big red flag. <laughs> I wouldn't be happy with how their profits have been doing. Not to not to call another BlackBerry here, but I see a shakeup happening in HTC's future, which is too bad because, like I said, I love the one. Well, you know, it's interesting too because the HTC First, which is the Facebook phone, um, that's. Just, I, I think that's like ninety nine cents now on contract. It's it's not doing well at all. And over in the UK, I think they. I was reading today. They've just given up. They're like not even going to try and market it over there anymore because it's just such an abysmal failure. And I don't know if that's because it's an HTC phone because it's got Facebook's incestuous incest all over it, or if. Incestuous incest? I don't know. I couldn't think of where to go with that. I, I don't know. I You went the Like his stupidly way. stupid? Yes. Do not misunderestimate. Yes. But yeah, I mean, it's got Facebook. Me fail English? <laughs> That's impossible. Yes, it is impossible. But, you know, I don't know if, the, if, if it's because it's Facebook or if it's because it's HTC or if it's a combination of the two. But, I mean, there, there's some bad news out there in the in the world of news for HTC at the moment. Yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they're able to turn it around. Um, a quick little side note here. They have said that the Nexus experience, that uh, ROM that will be launching on the Galaxy, 
should be coming to the HTC One as well. So the pure Android experience coming to the uh, the HTC One could be interesting. Hmm. Uh, speaking, we'll have the HTC One on Verizon before the Xbox One. <laughs> There's too many ones. Don't hold your breath on that, Schmitty. There can be only one. Why are there like two ones now? I think because we have a show title. Is better than one one. <laughs> the one show. There can be two ones. <laughs> now we're in binary. Um, <laughs> speaking of Facebook. Three? <laughs> yes, two ones in binary is three. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, Facebook is amid some really interesting changes here. They're, they're having issues. Their IPO, a year after launching... Well, I'll let someone else take this because I basically it still stunk. It, it you know the as we as we talked about when this happened a year ago, we talked a lot about the IPO and how the IPO bombed and how the bank basically had to basically bail it out. The the thing is, is Facebook is still trying to get that that stock price to 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 come back up. And I guess the way they're doing it is they're trying to say, hey, look how much of an ad colossus we're being. Look look how big we are by basically being a data mine. I mean, what, what makes me laugh is every time somebody says, oh, yeah, Facebook's going to start charging for its services. I'm like, why? You're the product. It's selling. They will not do that if you're the product. So right. this whole article basically deals with how they are really, really trying to uh, – get more advertisers to come back by all the data mining they're doing and all the different things they're happening. I mean, they, they lost. They talked about how they lost... Um, oh, which which car company was it? Uh, I think it was Chevy or something like that. Or no, GM. And GM left after this IPO happened and how the IPO dropped, but they were able to get GM to come back because of all the data mining they were able to do. I still don't understand how they do half of it, but then again, I'm also a person who really controls what I put on Facebook and how I, how I share so yeah, well, and, and the thing about Facebook is like, okay, we're gonna launch the IPO and look at all the money we made. Sorry, we screwed you out of it. Hey, that's awesome. Yeah. Hey, and we're now we're gonna launch Graph Search. Kidding. Most of you don't get it. Okay, but now we're gonna do the whole new layout. Kidding. Most of you guys aren't gonna get it. <laughs> now we're gonna do the Facebook phone. No one really likes it, but we are a huge data mining ad agency. Not as big as Google, who's now blocking our app from updating. <laughs> but yay us. <laughs> we still freaking got Candy Crush. <laughs> well, there are so many times I would really like to delete my Facebook account, but there are so many people who I can only communicate with over Facebook. And that's what bugs me. What, are they deaf? No, they just... <laughs> they're Kool-Aid drinkers. I have deaf family. I'm allowed to say that. Okay. Ooh! Speaking of, callback back to the Xbox One. Guess what is built into the firmware that you can do with Connect now? Group Sign video language. chat over your phone, over your TV. <laughs> Which I, I say that in reference to my, my deaf family because my, my deaf brother-in-law uses a, a video phone that he has to pay a monthly fee for, and it's not cheap. It's an actual directory service for the hearing impaired kind of like uh, the relay service only it's over his TV now it's just built into his game console and free nice Six, that's kind of cool a year, right? yeah well okay <laughs> maybe not free quiet you um, we gotta keep moving on here um, a report was done this year in the well duh news in enterprise IT there are there is a horrible habit for some people to make back doors in for the security admins. The idea being that if something goes down, the admin needs a quick and easy way into the system to fix it. And the FBI has been asking for a lot of these companies to give them the backdoor access. Right. Law enforcement wants it so they can quickly monitor things or whatnot. Well, it came to light recently that China has been using Google's emergency backdoor service to pull account information. And the words, don't come to mind. <laughs> to which Microsoft kind of said, well, yeah, they tried to do that for us too, which is why we don't do that anymore. Again, reiterating my point from last week, all the tech world ever needs to do is look at Microsoft. 
if they've learned not to do it, then you shouldn't do it either. They've already learned the lesson for you. But uh, this, at, speaking as an IT, an, an IT professional, a network admin, this really is a kind of, well, duh sort of thing. It's kind of like thinking, well, I know I locked my car, but there are times when I really need to quickly get into it, so I left the door open. It's locked. It's good. You know, people could walk up to it, try the handle, and it's locked. Only I can see that the door is open, so I can still get into it. And you may think I'm oversimplifying it, but in the IT world, no, I'm really not. It really is that easy. So, well, and go Google. We we've talked about this a lot too with the with the encryption and should there be a backdoor into the encryption. Backdoors, they're just bad. Backdoors are for people to come in and do stuff that you don't want them to be doing. So, did right. nobody see the movie War Games? Well, and the thing is, what people don't realize about how computer systems work, it's not like a house with a front door and a back door. Think of it more like a circle. It's all one side. It's all one door. They don't have to go around the house to get in. You didn't put a hole in the circle here. The hole in the circle is just a few feet away. (laughs) You're just going to go to that instead. That's probably an, an, an incomplete... Exclamation of it! Explanation. Wow, we've been talking nonstop for a while here. <laughs> but uh, take a breath. <gasps> get myself a drink of water. But that's really all it is. I mean, that's why it's such a bad idea. So we uh, do need to move on into our talking point. But we did want to bring in one last thing here. Um, Google un- launched a new little service with its Chrome browser. Uh, if you go to google.com and you're using Chrome, you can hit the little microphone button there in the search bar and s- speak your search query to it. Now, this has been in effect for a while, but what they did is they updated it using their conversational speech engine. I tested it the other day. There was a TV show on. I was just flipping channels, and I literally clicked on it and went, What's the name of that one movie that has Woody Harrelson and Antonio Banderas and they're driving in a car through the desert in it? And it immediately picked up. It was Play It to the Bone. No idea what the movie's about. Don't really care. But that's... That's what you you guys were talking about last week in the talking point. Right. I don't have to know how to search for things. In some cases, it's really handy. And in other cases, I still believe it's a detriment. But it is that effective. It picked up everything I was saying... And it was, it was that accurate. I don't see it being completely useful until they integrate the button into the Chrome browser itself. Or just or, until they get the OK Google activation. Right, agreed. Because as it is, I still have to go in and go to Google.com. So I'm still typing on the keyboard anyway, so what's the point? But it works. So, into our talking point... Uh, admittedly, I worry that we may have discussed this before, but with the relaunch of the Kinect and the Xbox One, I thought it was worth revisiting. The idea of motion computing, or rather motion input, we've seen the Leap Motion be announced. Schmidt and I are still on the pre-order list. Cough, cough, Leap. Sure would like to see that thing launch now. I have a Kinect. The new Kinect 2.0 will be required for all Xboxes. Is motion computing really our future? And this kind of goes in hand in hand with the wearable tech we did a few months ago. And I don't really know if it is. I think it. Go ahead, sir. I'm going to say I. This is the sci-fi geek in me, but when I think of motion control, I'm not actually thinking of the fact that I'm moving things with my hands. I'm thinking more along the lines of, like, Iron Man or District 9, where not only are they motioning things, but they're actually having the holograms right in front of them as they're doing this. That's when I think we'll have true motion control. Right now, the fact that you can move stuff on the screen by waving your hands in front of it, that's actually been around for years because they used to be in theme parks and different things where you could move, bounce the balls that are on the screen by moving your hands and stuff like that. So it's been, it, it's still in the 
in my humble opinion, he's still in the uh, in in the uh, the arcade phase, I guess, instead of the actual this is a tool phase. Yeah, I, I agree that we won't see it into uh, I mean really heavy into integration for a while. Uh, kind of how kind of the same way touch devices took a long time to uh, standardize motion or gestures on a touch device. In that same respect, it'll take a while for um, motion gestures to be standardized. Uh, we'll see a huge length of time where people will spend getting used to it. Some people won't like it. There'll be a huge divide. Um, well, and see, and I'm sorry for cutting in on you here, I think that's the genius behind Microsoft doing this with the Kinect. By doing this and putting it into the game console and putting it part of the command structure, you know what they're doing? They're standardizing us without us even knowing it. Microsoft is actually very good at doing that. People don't realize how much they've grown used to Windows, but they are. If you use a computer more than a half hour a day, you know that, oh, we'll click here in the corner or click on this button or click on the X or or if that doesn't do something, right-click, or any of the drop-down menus, just look for... It, this sounds really dumb, like it's completely obvious, but there was a time, in society's case, where it wasn't. Windows acclimated us to that, programmed us, got us used to it, and the Kinect is going to do it next. Squeeze the sides of this non-existent thing to resize. Swipe up to see which apps are running. Swipe down to see which friends are currently on. Yeah. The problem is, in my mind, is that that's all kind of assuming, and maybe this is my own, like I said, maybe I'm just worried about looking like an idiot, but this is all kind of assuming that everything you do on the computer is as exciting and as dramatic as Iron Man, Stark, mm-hmm. when most of the time you're reading Mashable. Yeah. And you don't want to be doing freaking semaphore to scroll three lines like you're you know, like, I don't know, you're saving the world or something, but really, you really want to see that calf, cat gif. Jif. And, and enlarge, you know. And I want to crumple it up and send it to a friend. I don't want a cardiovascular workout to send you guys an email. Right. I, I think one of the one of the bigger problems is that um, I playing around with Connect, um, I've seen where you have to be in the right lighting, you have to be standing in the right way, and you have to orient your hand in a certain way before it recognizes it, and then you can move it. Um, it's a little laggy right now, um, and it's it's not as intuitive as people think with its current technology. Um, once they can get to the point where you can actually grab something within your line of sight, that's a little more intuitive, but now you have to, ma- you have to match it up to the Xbox's calibration which is not necessarily what you think the calibration should be. So there's a huge disconnect there. Right, right. No, and I part of the problem is also, I believe, is that it does turn it into a this is less of everyone doing it like with let's take this out from the personal computer standpoint and put it back in the TV standpoint like you you were using. There's four of us we're sitting there on the couch and I have a remote and I'm showing you guys something. Right? Yeah, technically, I'm the one interacting with the TV, but we're all watching this thing that I'm showing us. Versus, I'm sitting there doing semaphore to it. All of a sudden, I'm interacting with it. I'm isolated. You guys are just kind of sitting there along for the ride. Now, we're... It turns it into almost a more personal... Yeah, you're laughing Yeah, we're laughing at you. But... but But you know what I'm saying? It turns it almost into a just you. Just you and the machine are interacting now. It almost isolates you even more. Yeah, that's a good point. And and if you if you question that, let me just say that that Google Voice search I was using, even though I know this isn't motion computing, it's the same idea of interacting with the computer differently. I only really felt comfortable doing that when I was by myself. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really want to sit there and do it at work. Or do it in front of the kids and have them ask, Daddy, why are you talking to the computer? Mm-hmm. But, YMCA. <laughs> but in 10 years, don't you think that everybody's going to just talk to their computer? I mean, we've already started seeing it with Siri and with 
with these different apps on our phones, and now we're starting to see it with Google. You know, I believe that's going to isolate us even more. And, and you know, the same the same could be true with the motion control. And I was going to say earlier, if you seen Americans, we could use a little cardio workout. But <laughs> yes, but I, I think you know. This is this is just going to become the standard. You're you're exactly right, Zook. Microsoft is conditioning us. Google is conditioning us. You know these tech companies are conditioning us to do to use the technology the way that they envision us using it, and it's it's extremely effective. And I think that it's going to catch on. We're going to be doing Minority Report here before long. But why are we conditioned that way? Most of it's from sci-fi, right? But to be perfectly honest, you know why Star Trek had the voice control computer? Because having Captain Kirk or Captain Picard sit at a computer terminal typing things in and reading the text coming back makes for a horrible television. Yes. Yeah. That's the only reason it was there was so you could broadcast your search and have a TV audience understand what you were saying and what was coming back. We don't work like that in the real world. I don't need to sit there in my office and muse out loud. I wonder what would happen if I change this global policy object. Computer, search for me. What would happen if, you know, I don't have an audience? And if I did, I would, I'd feel like an idiot sounding like that. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be able to do that where, where I sit in, um, at work. It's, it's kind of like an open office area, and I can't be talking to my computer all day because everyone else can hear me. <laughs> yeah, I'm in, I'm in an office with 20 other people in there, and it can get very noisy. I have a lot of headphone time. It's it's a good way, though, to ensure that you get a private office. Private office is for all. Say goodbye to the cubicle yeah. farm. <laughs> and a chicken in every pot. <laughs> yes. I a private office because I need to use Google every day. <laughs> you don't want me sounding like an idiot to everyone around me, right? <laughs> right. We like already do that on our own. <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be this is gonna be the reason why Melissa Meyer uh, reinstates telecommuting at Yahoo is to keep everyone from looking like an idiot at their computer at work. Oh. <laughs> if you're gonna dance and talk to your computer, do it at home. I I want to know what everyone else thinks about this though because supposedly motion computing is the way of the future, and I can see its benefits most definitely. I can, but I still don't know if we're gonna be seeing it. As soon as it's being, as soon as Microsoft and Google and Apple are suggesting we'll be seeing it, they're shoving it down our throats like we'll be seeing it wholesale in everyone's home on everyone's computer in the next year and a half. And I just don't see it happening anytime sooner than I'll be safe and save five years. But honestly, I'm thinking closer to ten. Well, yeah, I was going to estimate ten myself. You know, I, I, that's that's exactly right. You're going to have the early adopters. It's like with Google Glass. Google is trying to convince us that everybody is going to be a glass hole, but that's not the case. I, I really don't believe that that's the case. You're going to have some people. It's going to be like the Segway. You have some people, mall cops, that ride these things around trying to look all cool. You got people wearing the Google Glass, and you're going to have people waving their arms, doing semaphore, trying to be cool, because that's what they think, you know, cool is. But really, cool is just sitting down and reading Batman. In two years, you're going to have people on segways with Google Glass over both eyes, talking loudly to themselves, using their hand gestures, <laughs> flying all over the mall. That's going to be awesome. I, I can't wait to get the, my leap motion not, to bring it up again, um, because I, I I have already cough, in, cough, leap. <laughs> I have already envisioned several instances where a hand gesture would would be a lot more efficient than using the mouse or keyboard. So, well, you know, even I just gave even old man Kenobi needed his hand gestures. These aren't the droids you're looking for. So, <laughs> oh, that sounds so much better than I was going. <laughs> anyway, we want to hear your thoughts on that. Feedback at StolenDroids.com Where do you see us going with this? Is this something that you could do? Let us know. Into our feedback. Uh, not feedback. <laughs> our favorites. Maybe we'll get some feedback from our favorites. Mine is very different than I've done for our last 112 episodes. Mine is kind of a what-if article, and this question has been asked before, but what if the Earth had rings? 
What if it was able to hold in ring matter like other planets in our solar system? And this one comes with really interesting uh, pictures. It comes courtesy of IO9 uh, and has pictures of different spots on the world, on the Earth, how the night sky or the day sky would look if we had rings. It even goes into detail that I didn't know uh, as to why certain planets have rings. It turns out that if the debris is too close to the planet, then the planet's gravity tears the moon apart and turns it into a ring. We have a moon because it's outside that limit. It was, And that's the only reason we're able to have it. It was a very cool article. It was actually going to be my favorite until I found out that somebody else already took it. Well, you were too slow. Yes. But uh, it's really, really cool, and it's kind of trippy to see these pictures of, like, Washington, D.C. or whatnot and think, if we had rings like Saturn, the night sky or the day sky or just the sky in general would look really, really different. So <laughs> including the different, including how the, how the different tides would be and stuff, too. So, Yep. Our, checking out. My favorite is a video that I actually discovered five minutes uh, before the show started. I want to thank... Uh, the, the people in the Seventh Fleet who posted this in the Facebook group, but um, it's the Star Trek The Ultimate Saga trailer. Someone did a very good mashup where they took scenes from all 12 of the Star Trek movies and it fits very, very well. It doesn't explain the story or anything. It's almost like a memory trip as you go through this whole thing. And very well done. Because I mean, you've seen some mashup videos and they're like, they, don't, they don't mash up very well. This one, uh, this one mashes up very well. Check it out. Okay, my favorite this week is something a little different. I've I've brought up Lego stuff in the past. Well, here's another one for you. Somebody has constructed a life-size, full-scale X-wing out of Legos. It's the largest Lego model in history. Contains over 5.3 million bricks. Weighs 40, almost 46,000 pounds. It's 11 feet high, 43 feet long, with a wingspan of 44 feet. Took. Can I? Can I just say? Sorry to interrupt. My favorite thing about that is that it's not a replica of an X-wing. It's a replica of the Lego model of an yes. X-wing. <laughs> nice. Yes. I, they did not try and make it look like the movie X-Wing. They tried to make it look like the Lego yes, model. And, and it's awesome. And it took 32 builders about four months to put together. So, I mean, that's it's just straight up awesome. Um, yeah, check it out. It, it is so very cool. You won't be finding that in the Toys R Us stores near you. Oh, I wish. It's in a hangar, I believe. I can't show, <laughs> I can't show my kid this. It would be on his wish list. <laughs> Okay, my, my favorite is a video um, put out by IGN, um, and, and I don't I don't make this my favorite to try to put out a geek battle of, of which would win, um, because there's a lot involved, uh, but this is a video of a Death Star versus a, an Enterprise, so we're, we're putting making an amalgamation of two different universes here, but the, the reason why this is my favorite isn't because of the the verses is because it's really well done um, and there's only a couple CG effects that that, uh, that I could really point out especially at the end really horrible one but the entire video is really well done um, quite a bit of humor with, to it yeah actually. some humor um, and uh, so yeah check it out you'll enjoy it very cool uh, and before we, we have a, a minute or two left here and I do want to let you know we will be having a special guest on next week for an episode of Stolen Droids Presents. Uh, Dan Farr, one of the uh, uh, event coordinators for the Salt Lake Comic Con, will be on to tell us about what's been happening there. They are getting more and more guests by the day, it seems. This is shaping up to be pretty freaking awesome, and I'm excited to talk to them about it. We are very we can, much looking forward to this event. See if we can worm our way into said event. Hopefully he doesn't listen to this show. Uh, and also... <laughs> It, this isn't happening for a little while now, but Zoner actually landed us an interview with... Uh, I'll let you fill him in on that. I'm going to jinx it, though, if I do. So, uh, yeah, Cliff, Cliff Brackman from Finding Bigfoot on Animal Planet will be joining us in the next few weeks. We're still working on, on getting the time finalized, but we do have a day. I'm not going to jinx it by saying it, but... Um, yeah, so uh, you squatchers out there... 
uh, we're gonna be we're gonna be talking with with one of the most famous of them all. Very cool. Now, also, uh, we do want to hear what you have to say. Let us know what you think, what you want us to talk more about, any guests you want us to try and get. Feedback at soulandroids.com. We always want to hear. Uh, but until next time, cheers. End of line. One to beam up. Good day. Good day.